Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to Gaze on Film. This podcast is where we, a pair of gays, talk about what we're watching. I'm Declan. And I'm Ned. And in this episode, we're going to be talking everything 2023. Everything. <laughs> is that what it sounded like? That's what it sounded like you said, yeah. Uh, in this special review of the year episode, we will touch on spoilers throughout, but we won't go into too much detail, I'm sure. Um, but a lot of these films will have been out for a while now, so where have you been? But first, let's just... <laughs> Do a general... Where have you been? Where have you been? Where have you uh, been? Let's just do a general 2023, how do we feel kind so, of yeah. thing. I mean, we're fast approaching the very end of December. And when I think of all of the films we've watched this year, I think my letterboxed count is currently on something like 194, 95. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a handful before the end of the year. We so do. hopefully I'll pip 200. Um, what are you on? Let me confirm the number. I should have really done this before we started. But I am on... Oh, I'm on 199. So oh, you'll do that. tonight when we watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, that'll get me 200. Yes. Right. Um, so I'm thinking it's been a great year for comedy. Do you agree? We've had... I think so. It's been really nice when we saw No Hard Feelings. We were like, this feels like one of those kind of classic comedy genre films. It's up to date. The humour is funny and inoffensive. And Jennifer Lawrence's performance was just brilliant. Yeah, she was brave as well for a few of those scenes, especially when she gets kicked in there. In there, see you next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, another strong one for comedy was Joyride for yes. me, absolute highlight for the genre. Cause I'm not usually a big kind of silly comedy fan. This is the thing when they they're quite good, easy, they're good, gr- but yeah. they can be really wrong. It can yeah. quite easily grate on me. Um, and I was nervous when this started, but it was so, so funny. Um, I think I've been on record saying something like hangover, but done better. Yes. And with you know, women. With women. <laughs> Just, ah, oh, cracking. Um, and another one that seems to find its way back into my mind rent free is Renfield. I often think about it. Really? Yeah. Maybe I just quite, I quite like Dracula stuff anyway. So maybe it's just that. Um, but I remember thinking that was a really good, funny take yeah. on, on our old pal. I thought it was a little bit disappointing. Did you? Mm. Oh, well. That was just me. Um, animation, strong year. Yeah. Marcel, the shell with shoes on. Absolutely loved it. Hybrid animation type thing. It's still animation. Yeah. Um, and then other stuff like Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Another good one from 
the Spider-Man section of Marvel. Yeah. Um, Puss in Boots, The yeah, Last that Wish. Was great. That was gorgeous. Um, and I really liked the elemental animation style as well. Yeah. And elemental as a film. Um, Same. It's been good for that for me. Else? I think it's been quite a good year across the board. And yeah. like talking a bit more business-wise, oh. it's been quite an interesting and different year compared to previous years. In the top 10... As regards kind of things like the strikes and stuff. Well, that as well, because that kind of... I think that disrupted, obviously... Well, it disrupted Hollywood, but I also think it disrupted box office because people weren't able to promote the films and yeah because i don't think like i i don't think i fully realize how much some people see a film promoted and think oh i'll go see that well because i know what's coming all the time and also it's surprising when you're not in our line of i was gonna say work but this (laughs) doesn't work um interest yeah your first thought when you think what should i do on an evening unless you're seeing films being advertised to you Mm. isn't necessarily Go to the cinema. Yeah, I know, I know. But from a box office perspective, the only MCU film in the top ten worldwide this year is Guardians Three, which, when you look at back Fair, at other actually, years, it's quite a good one. You know, there was so many, like each entry, if they did three yes. in a year, was yeah. in it. Yeah. Um, I think Disney will see the Little Mermaid's performance from a live-action remake perspective and think didn't do as well as they maybe hoped it was. I I don't get this kind of... It feels like, even though it was a nice idea to kind of do live-action remakes of all of those classic animations, the first handful were fine, but when things really aren't going as well as you'd kind of expect them to, why why are they still forcing them out no idea oh it's just it's not satisfying it's not fun <laughs> i what? know there are people that like them but they're nowhere near as good as the animation no i personally think also that disney didn't have a very good year as a studio and i think what sums that up is i think they will find indiana jones only doing 384 at the worldwide box office. A massive disappointment when the film is reportedly cost $300 million to make. Oh, shit. There was something said on the Empire podcast the other day and I thought it was really good. Films that have cost $100 million this year have done way better than films that have cost 200 to 250 Just goes to show, throwing money at something doesn't guarantee its quality. And I do agree, it's like... You know, I think maybe these films that just always cost at least two hundred are just always like. A lot of them to do with buying the royalties and stuff, not the royalties, the rights. I don't think so. No, no. Um, But very happy to see Barbie reign supreme as number one at the box office this year. Yeah, one point four billion. Yeah, I did think that would make a lot of money, but even I was quite. Didn't think it'd be 1.4 billion. No, there. I didn't think it'd be top of the no. box office. Next is the Super Mario Brothers movie. Where did that come in at? 1.36 nice. million. Billion. Wow. And then Oppenheimer, which is still actually 
in cinemas in some places, which is mad, um, at £955 million, which I think, for an R-rated three-hour film that is all talking about the atomic bomb, mm-hmm. to make nearly a billion pound, a, a billion dollars is phenomenal. So I basically, what I'm saying about the year is, I think Hollywood could do with learning some lessons about what's going on. Well, I think they can also kind of, we can look beyond Hollywood to see what's been going on as well, because there's been some great kind of indie cinema coming through. And not just there. indie, but also a lot more foreign language films yes. coming through. Uh, the Boy in the Heron, which we've just seen today. Yeah, um, amazing. What was the other one recently? Um, Past Lives wasn't, was it? Was Bits and Bobs. Um, um, Anatomy of a Fall was yeah. part and part. Really, really good. Oh, there what was, was that one. other one? That Godzilla Minus One. Godzilla Minus One. Fully in great. Japanese. And yeah. I just think people are a lot more willing to go and see foreign language films. Do you think it's different... because I've got a theory about this? Because I think anyone... I'm going to I'm gonna very generalise here. Anyone under 30 tends to have their default Netflix settings as subtitles on. Mm. So people are a lot more used to reading subtitles than they once were. Because I think before streaming in the home was a big thing, mostly people were like, oh, I can't be asked reading the subtitles. But now we're really used to it. So foreign language films or non-English language films seem to not, be so off-putting by the fact that you have to read them for the whole thing. Well, I think there's three parts to it. One is what you've just said, people having subtitles on. Two, stays in the streaming realm because there's been so many foreign language or non-English language streaming shows that have gone massive. Yeah. So that's another thing where if you're going to do it at home, you might think, oh, well, I've really enjoyed that at home. I'll go spend a bit more at the cinema. Yeah. And the other one that I genuinely always stand by is Parasite winning Best Oscar. Oh, my God, yeah. <gasps> Sad news about him. I know, I know. But that, doing that, and it's literally in one of my top films of all yeah. time, a South Korean film, like... Oh, and it was just go, so just good go as well. Watch a film I can't believe it took me about two years to watch Parasite. Oh my god, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm quite happy. I've got some. I actually remember recording this episode last year, and I've got some trends that I'm still keeping a beady eye on, which leads into the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is like LGBTQ plus movies, TV, right. Um, a lot of queer stories, a lot of queer stories, are, and I don't want to say relegated, but I'm going to say it because it's easy for me to do it. Yeah. Are relegated to either streaming, TV, or they are very indie films that not many people are going to see. Right, okay. I would still like to see wider representation of queer stories yeah. within the big Hollywood temples. Yeah. But I still think we might be a long way from that because obviously these films go out in most countries around the world and unfortunately not all countries are, well, are up a lot, for having that. A lot of countries ban or censor films just for having kind of hints or whispers of LGBT 
um, representation in there. So still strides to be made as far as that goes, I think, on the global stage. Yeah. Um, so let's go over queer highlights then now. Yeah. I want you to maybe go for film to start off with. Well, I've only got film. Well, that's perfect then. And then if there's any that you've missed, then we can start having a discussion yes. about others. Yes. Um, let me shout out some lesbians. Go for it. We've got Blue Jean. Amazing, yeah. really kind of softly told story of a secondary school teacher in Thatcher, Britain. Section... Section 28 type times, time. Yeah. I think it was just pre-Section 28. Yeah. Um, gorgeous. Set in the Northeast. Lovely accents. Lovely colour palette. Lovely. Just really, really nice put together. If you can watch it, I'd absolutely recommend. It's a lovely story. Mm-hmm. Um, Tar, another lesbian. Powerhouse. Oh, yeah. I didn't really think of that from a queer perspective. Well, yes. here we go. That a was complex... one of the early kind yeah. of big uh, big players in the year, I think, mm-hmm. um, about a conductor in from some kind of the, the symphony orchestras and things. But what I liked about that is it lecturer. was... Her sexuality wasn't necessarily... Well, both her sexuality and her femininity weren't... She didn't deem them as important things, but they were important to the story. They formed formed part of her, but not defining. Yeah, but it was quite interesting to also see somebody so complex played um, from that perspective. Yeah, and I think um, it's Kate Blanchett. Yeah, like a flawed queer person disappeared into the role. You really, I wasn't watching somebody acting. I was watching Lydia Tarr. Be Lydia Tarr yes. is what I felt. I would agree. Um, a fantastic film. Again, um, really, really good fun. Maybe perhaps opposite end of the spectrum, uh, not quality-wise, but genre-wise, Bottoms. <laughs> I had a feeling that's what you were going to discuss. Our favourite lesbian comedy of the year. Um, teen kind of edge of the slasher genre, but not really... It's a fucking batch of So fucking mad. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. We've got an episode on it, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I'm sure we've talked about it. Yes, we have. Yes. So go check the episode out. Watch the film. I thought it was really, really fun. It had us cackling in the cinema. Um, People are saying it's this generation's Mean Girls. And I would be like, I would love it to become that kind of It is a really fun... It's a really fun, stupid two hours to spend. Yeah, Uh, And it's just, yeah, it's really, really brilliantly put together. Um, I think that might bring me to the end of Lesbians. Okay. So we'll start talking about, oh no, Scream 6. That had some lesbians in it. LGBT. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, And Scream. Nice and meta, really kind of. And Scream is a very camp. Yeah, Scream's a very camp thing. A franchise, isn't yes. it? So, yeah. so there's a lot of diversity in the kind of the main friendship group in Scream 6. Um, those of you who've seen the last couple will know. Um, and I think, you know, just because it gets into how meta it all is, it's kind of nice just to see a bunch of queer people discussing who's going to get murdered next. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah. 
Um, let's move into some other LGBT. Do you want to come in with any TV or should we cover all the films Let's first? do films first. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got a big bit about TV later, yeah. so yeah. Um, little bit more indie to start with, Passages. Oh, great film. Really, really good. Very kind of serious, dramatic, um, gay yeah. And beautiful really, sex scenes. Like, yes. I don't even mean like, very they, were, kind they were beautiful, of, but they were very tender and Very intimate. almost real. Like, yeah. you, you, you could, it might sound weird to say, I was going to say, you could almost imagine yourself having that sex. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. It wasn't porn. No. It was like what normal people look like yeah. when they have sex. Yeah. 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 Um, love that one. It was, oh, it's just, dramatic just like yeah very dramatic i don't know how else to describe it we've got an episode on that one as well we do cool. so you can listen to I how else realize i realized this was it. such a plug for this year's episodes but i guess it is isn't it well why not no plug no ourselves. i agree I'm just what did you just say <laughs> why not plug ourselves <laughs> <laughs> um one we haven't seen actually it's maybe my oh no we did see it i don't know what i'm thinking of what is it strange way of life oh um what's his name director alamo Dabar. thank you pedro pablo pedro pablo alamo Dabar. alamo Dabar. yeah um short film with pedro pascal and ethan hawke ethan hawke <laughs> as some cute little gay cowboys Love it. Um, I enjoyed it for what it was, but I think I've said when we've discussed it, I'm not... I can't get fully bought into a short film. I don't know what it is about You're not a big it. short film person, no, are you? No. No, I think it's lovely. And I think what I like about short films is there is a certain <laughs> the, the level... Short. <laughs> there's a certain level of imagination has to go into what happened before and what happens after yeah, for I the film itself mean. to find meaning, which I love. Um, and because it was gays and cowboys, two of my favourite things, um, <laughs> <laughs> how could it possibly go oh wrong? Um, so I wanted to shout that one out too. We didn't do an episode on it though, because it was a short film. It was very short. Very short, and yeah. it would have been a short episode. Um, and I mean, I say last but not least, there's probably a whole bunch of LGBT cinema I'm missing in this mm. list, but also Red, White and Royal Blue. Which we have to shout out because... I mean, it took episode, over the internet for a good couple of weeks. For, of our podcast, our own stats, it's absolutely... It was the first episode where we were looking at the numbers and we were like, oh my God, people actually listen to this. Yeah, like um, So thank you everyone for that. That was really nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Red, White and Royal Blue, loved it. Even though it was like... I mean, it was naff. It was a it bit was of a fun. naff film, yeah. but like... A fun one to have in the kind of gay canon, let's call it. Canon, yeah. canon like hey, story universe, we, not canon like... For so long fire. we've watched films with lots of straight people and some hey, of them hey. were good and, and some, some of them, of them were, were average were and some of them shite. were awful. So if we're going to have more gay films, we're going to have to have the full... We do need the full spectrum. We do, yeah. Um, I think those probably round up my fave lgbt films from the year there all were a couple would... that we haven't seen as oh, yeah. well i must say all i would add to that is saltburn had quite a lot of queer 
Oh my god, yeah, it's not even. Um, oh, it is on my list. I just missed it while I was reading. There's just so many, and we do see a lot of films and what yeah. I watch a lot of telly. So, yeah. Um, but yes, I thoroughly enjoyed Saltburn. I still stand by with that. I'm not sure what point it was trying to make, but I would maybe like to watch it again to see if I'm as critical about the class stuff as I was first watching it. I um, think this is maybe one of those films that if you know that and you've kind of already had the sour taste, the second time you want to watch it, just enjoy you want it. to just enjoy it because it actually is a really quite well put together film. Oh, I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, yeah. Acting's great. It's a bit raunchy. I mean, you'll have a good time watching it. Remove that from the debate to enjoy it. I mean, it exists now. And it seems to have blown up since it's gone on Amazon before exactly. Christmas. I feel like everyone watched it whilst yeah. the yeah at the Which end of maybe the is why more it's of doing our so episode well. is doing so well. I oh know. my god, we've done episodes on so many of these. Well done us. I know, I know. Is that you're done on films? Yes. I tell just me wanted about to sh- shout out just a few, literally three. We've got Heartstopper season two, which we did do an episode on. We did. Um we've got Sex Education season four, which we also did an episode we on. We did. Um, so let's talk about those two Netflix ones first. Um, They're like opposite sides of the same coin, by which I mean high school, British high school coming of age, teen stuff. One of them's really kind of innocent and fluffy. One of them is let's talk about sex, frankly and honestly. Uh-huh. And I think for that reason, I'm glad they both exist. But yes. neither of them... represent reality no both such fantasy which i think i love but what i think it i'd I'd probably give a bit of kudos to sex education that makes it it makes it more apparent that that's in some fantasy world kind of thing whereas heartstopper doesn't feel it feels like they're trying to reflect the world that we live in but it's not quite I think that Heartstopper might actually represent quite a number of teenagers as... Yes, I would just probably go a bit younger. Viewpoints. I don't know if it's an age thing for me. Would you not? I just think maybe the people in your year that you didn't really hang out with or register particularly much might feel a bit more akin to Heartstopper than Sex Education. Okay. Yeah, obviously sex education's over now, but Heartstopper will be back, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And then I also just wanted to shout out Interview with a Vampire, which I binged. Oh, um, that's not the third one of your three that I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? Fellow Travellers. That is on my list as well, sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. let's get to that after. Yeah. But Interview with the Vampire, what I really just wanted to talk about from a queer perspective is obviously we had the original film with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, which totally glossed over how it is pretty much a queer love story in the book. It's homoerotic, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Totally kind of took two vampires and took all of that out of it in the film. Now, this version was the queer fantasy that we all deserved. (laughs) So it was great, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I look forward to season two, which hopefully... I think it's already been out in America, hopefully. Hopefully we'll be getting that soon. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to... I guess that kind of showed how times have moved on. But again, also proves my point that it's not in the cinemas, it's on TV. Yeah. It's almost like... Not necessarily queer stories, again, relegated to the small screen, but 
a lot of these stories probably do better fully fleshed out in an eight hour yeah. TV show than a two hour film anyway. Yeah. Um, so I wonder yeah. what would happen if cinemas started doing like weekly or monthly viewings of the episodes of TV shows. Think anyone? I think would they've go? done some screenings of like the Mandalorian episodes and stuff recently. Because remember, my student union used to do like Game of Thrones every week. Yeah. Um, and the local drag bar sometimes does drag race, don't they? <laughs> Not quite the same thing. <laughs> uh, maybe. Who knows? I mean, TV is very cinematic these days, so it could happen. And mm. I, there's some TV episodes that I'd love to see on the big screen. So. Especially like the season finales of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Food for Thoughts, any world view, Picture House, whoever you are. Odeon. Odeon. There's oh, loads. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, fellow travellers, one thing, one season series that we haven't quite finished yet, we've got two episodes left. One, it's hot as fuck. Um, but two, <laughs> it tells... It's really um, It's really naughty. <laughs> um, two, it tells a story of a time period that I don't think we see a lot of 50s and 60s from a queer perspective. Obviously, no, we we, tend we're to seeing later of, life. It, yeah. it follows them quite a lot through to the 80s where the AIDS crisis is very much looming. But I feel like whilst those stories are, are important to continue to tell, yeah. we've seen a lot of them. It does take... Yeah, it, I like that it's taking kind of a step further back in time telling some um, some queer stories. And I think what the queer community deserves, apart from, you know, rights... Is period dramas about queer people? Because we've we don't existed get a long, that many long time. Of them. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think of maybe Portrait of a Girl on Fire mm. and Portrait of a Lady on Fire, or is it? Oh, in French, it's a young girl. Oh, is it? So I was mistranslating. My bad. Um, Could come back though. Can't even think of another one. Oh, uh, we got Ammonite, which I still haven't seen. Benedictine. Benediction. Benediction. Benedictine. I don't know what Benedictine is. Benediction. Can I have the from kind of Second World War? Um, eggs Benedictine. Um, well, I can't really think of any others. No, I would like to see more. Yeah. Um, of that, but I'm looking forward to finishing it, and I would love to interview some some of the talent involved in that. Um, if you're listening, <laughs> reach out. So we shall see. That is my. LGBTQ plus shout out's pretty much done. Amazing. So I guess, Ned, you can probably go and put the kettle on because I'm about to talk telly for a bit. Some of this we did I mean, watch together. If I put the kettle on, no, it'll it's be a all loud. I know, but some of this we have watched together. Fellow Travellers is in there already without us finishing it as some of my favourite TV of the year. Oh my God, it's so much fun. Um, also... The linking in TV as well to kind of queer perspective, The Last of Us, third episode that broke everyone's hearts on the internet, okay, yeah. which kind of moved away from the, the the focused narrative and focused on this gay couple yeah. navigating the world ending. And it was I do kind of heartbreaking. Want to watch... like... How many seasons are there likely to be of The Last of Us? Well, two's in development. I would say probably maybe three or four. Oh, I 
don't know if I could do that because I kind Why? of. There's only one at the minute. Just watch I know, the first I one. I once challenged myself to try and binge it all in a day so that I can. Did you? Well, just because if I watch anything zombie esque, I know they're not zombies. Yes, it's fine. I know. Yeah. But I will then have zombie nightmares, and I'd rather just try and do it all in one day so that I only have one night of zombie nightmares rather than a little bit here and there where I have lots of nights of zombie nightmares. So, and I think what I'm going to have to do as well is wait until the nights are shorter so that if I wake up sweating at 2 a.m., I've only got two hours of lying in bed terrified rather than if I wake up sweating in the middle of winter. I've got like six, seven hours of lying in bed terrified. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well. That was maybe a bit too much of my psyche that people one, needed. Season two probably won't be out until 2025. So you've got all this summer if you want to watch it. Okay, I'll try it. But that third episode will make, especially will make you cry. Yeah. Um, but yes, great show overall. Looking forward to what comes next. One that we did watch together, Happy Valley Season 3. The oh, finale. I love Happy Valley. Uh, loved it a lot. I think the finale shocked us, but it gave us the finale that we d- didn't know that we needed. Yeah. Like, I think everyone was expecting loads of action, loads of, like, over-the-top, crazy ending, but we kind of just got them two confronting each other in the kitchen. Yeah. And But that was... That was exactly what you wanted. Not what I wanted. No, but what you didn't know you wanted. Yeah, yeah. but loved Happy Valley. Yeah. Um, I want to, again, give a shout out to one of my favourite streaming... Well, my favourite streaming service that keeps out, keeps me hooked, um, Apple TV+. Plus. I watched Blackbird this year, which is that Taron Egerton yeah. one. Um, Silo Season 1, which was amazing sci-fi. Like, absolutely loved it. Everybody lives in this post-apocalyptic world where they all live underground in silos and there's all the politics of at the bottom you're poor at the top you're better off all that kind it's just amazing and rebecca ferguson is excellent in it Um, hijack with idris elba this is like corny television but it was that Uh, that was one on the plane yeah it was like that kind of television though that we know that it's not the best tv but it's just so addictive there's a couple of episodes that i was sitting around while you had it on yeah i did find myself quite into it yeah soon as one episode ends you're like i need i need the next one now um and so that was my apple tv i have watched more but that was a little shout out uh, Gen V, the boys spin-off, really enjoyed that on Amazon. Okay. Um, the Fall of the House of Usher, loved that, totally binged that on Netflix. I'd recommend anyone. Um, that's the kind of thing, if we had another lockdown, that's what I would watch. But I'm, I'm never going to find the time for that now. No, and i already seen the last episode. <laughs> yeah, you did, didn't you? My mum was watching it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would like to talk about probably two of the best TV shows potentially of all time but definitely this year Succession Season 4 Knew you were going to say finishing. that um, Just amazing they made some wild creative choices killing off Brian Cox's character in episode 3 of a 10 episode season was just like jaw on the floor, what the hell one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen um, and I caught up on season one of the bear and then watched season two i can't quite put into 
words how much I love a show about chefs in a shit what was shitty restaurant which now they've made better but it is just great it's just amazing oh lovely so so amazing I didn't know and I could be wrong here Jamie Lee Curtis is in it there was an episode where there was loads and loads of small Uh, like like it was just Oh my god, that's that person. Oh my god, that's that person. Uh, well, so she's not a main uh, character. The amount but... she goes on about it on Instagram, oh, I mean, you'd think she, she was the leading role. She goes on about everything. Uh, oh, um, I love her. But yeah, a great a great year for telly again. There's some stupid people out there saying, has Pink TV ended? What's Pink TV? Well, like when, when people were saying the golden age of telly as streaming oh. first took off. Right, yeah. Has it ended? But then, if you re- if I even do it, that's just a snapshot of some of the shows I've watched this year. I thought you were going to mention Slow Horses. You always oh, talk about shit. that. Oh yeah. yeah, but that's such a new one. That's phenomenal as well. Apple <laughs> TV. Yeah, this is what I mean. There's just so much. I just think now there's so many streaming services, and there's so like. Yeah, if you, you try can... and catch a bit of them all, you end up spreading yourself a bit thin. If you like a specific genre, crime or whatever, yeah. sci-fi even. You could literally fill your time just watching the genres that that you like. Like, yeah. totally. Yeah. Whereas before, I think you thought, oh, well, I'll try this one, I'll try yeah. that. But, like, but talk of sci-fi, Silo, Foundation, or any of the superhero, like, if you're that kind of geeky sci-fi superhero, like, you could just spend all your time just watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, now, we move on to... Biggest disappointments. <laughs> e, and there are some big ones. And I like to, f- I like to frame it like this because a lot of work goes into every film and TV show. Yeah. And there's so many things that could happen to make a film or show not land with the audience. Yeah. So I don't particularly like worst top ten worst films of the year. No, and I don't think it's fair to say. Like, I know I'm guilty of it sometimes, like, saying, oh, that was shit. Yeah. Like, a lot of people have put a lot of work in, and they yeah. wouldn't intentionally make it shit unless they were intentionally making shit, in which case you'd probably not mind that it was shit. Malignant so, looking at you. You are. <laughs> Malignant looking at you. Exactly. Um, but, and I think a lot of these, when I say these are disappointments, it's because I was really looking forward to them. Yeah, um, and that's another thing about it being disappointing. It's about kind of what you take into the cinema if you're watching it at the cinema or the sofa. If it's you're how it you home. build it up in your like, own head, isn't it, as well? If you're anticipating something and it doesn't live up to what you want it to be, it's more likely to be disappointing. And if it's had a really long and drawn-out like promotional period, um, you might kind of fill the gap with your imagination and then it not land you know what i mean like there are lots of reasons films can be disappointing it doesn't mean they're necessarily shit yeah uh although ask me again after i've gone through the list so i have seven on my list of biggest disappointments i also have seven so shall we go one each and see if they overlap yeah you go first um they're not really in any particular order Fine, neither am i super mario bros movie interesting yeah now <laughs> this is gonna challenge what we've just said straight away uh, uh, because it was fucking shite. But 
No, I don't think it was fucking shy. It was awful. What it was was a hot mess. What it was was Nintendo not letting the studio do anything remotely creative with the characters and basically just doing a 90-minute film promoting the Super Mario Bros. Yeah. But hey... What do we know? It's the second highest grossing exactly. film of the year. So. It took $1.36 billion in the worldwide box office. Yeah. Like, mm, I was disappointed that Nintendo kept such a tight grip on what the well, characters that's what we could perceive. do. Yes. Is what it felt like. It, yeah, is what it felt like it was. That people who know how to put a film together and tell a good story in a compelling way weren't able to do that with this because I think somebody in a writing room somewhere was like, we have to fit in this from this game, this character from here, this character, this character. They all have to be relevant. They all have to have lines. It has to visit every single place that Mario ever goes. And it just... And it's getting a sequel as well. So why couldn't it have left some of the, like, you know... Exactly. It was... I'm not surprised that it did really well at the no, global box office because brand. people love Mario, yeah. myself included. Yeah. So what I think they should have done is trusted the audience a bit more that they would have got that return and allowed, like left some wriggle room for Mario 2 to go somewhere new to continue the story. And it also wasn't that funny. No, it wasn't. Which is silly because, I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to make a really good comedy. I think Nintendo needs to take a leaf out of Mattel's book and get yeah. people to make amazing films. Yeah. Not just trying to carbon copy one medium. Not just turn a game into a another. film. Yeah. yeah. But let them have creative license and go off. And I'm sure Mattel Obviously, had a few things Nintendo... where they were like, oh, I don't want to see that in Barbie. But have a conversation yeah. about it and just understand why. And I imagine yeah. Mattel, like Nintendo, will have had final sign-off on the final cut. Yeah. Or at least had a say in the final sign-off of the final cut. So it's not like they had no control over it. Yeah, it does make so, me a little bit worried because I know yeah. Nintendo are doing a couple of other adaptations. Yeah. They're doing Zelda. And I'm so, like, I mean, yeah. we'll just have to see how it goes. If they learn from it, great. If they don't, because why would they? Because it took $1.36 billion, then here it is. Um, so, yes, Mario for me. Big disappointment. wasn't even on my list because I think I had pretty low expectations anyway. Fair enough. Your turn. We already talked about this one, but unfortunately it was sex education season four. Oh, I didn't even put any telly on, but I haven't watched any. Yeah, not <laughs> Um I just found it, sadly... I to, we got into this a lot in our episode. It yeah. just felt like they were doing too much, even though it ended well. There were too many new characters yeah. for it to be the and final I think season. This is a perfect example of me saying, that's because I thought that was going to be amazing, yeah. amazing. I was going to love every bit of it. Yeah. And then I was watching it, I was like, oh... Not quite what I expected. Yeah. Not liking this new vibe. Like, Fair enough. I know each season has to kind of push you out of your f- familiarity, kind yeah. of, but it just went a bit far. And yeah. I didn't... And the new characters as well. I don't know if I liked any of them. No, not... not I don't think it would have been an issue so if I'd have actually liked them. them but mm. I didn't... I found them all quite annoying. <laughs> um, so, yes, that is... Fair enough. My first... 
Um, what did we... Oh, another one that was disappointing to me. Uh, Exorcist Believer. Not even on mine either. But yes, a massive disappointment. I mean, for such like an iconic horror yeah, franchise, for that to be such a flop, like, oh. Yeah. It wasn't really scary. Story didn't really feel like it. It didn't mattered. do anything. It, 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 it didn't really do anything. No. Well, I don't really have anything else to say no. because it was it was just crap. Yeah. Um, so I was disappointed by that. Yeah. Yeah. Your no, turn. Another telly one for me before I move on to films after. <sighs> Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Yeah. Oh. Truly, one of the worst things that. Is Marvel... it because they cut your scene? <laughs> one of the worst things that Marvel has ever, ever done. like Including the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. <sighs> Secret Invasion in the comics is such a cool story where, from a political perspective, the Skrulls have got into human life and we don't know mm. who's a Skrull. Even some of the superheroes have been Skrulls in the past in some of the comics. It was truly like awful and the character of nick fury was not the nick fury i recognize from other <laughs> film like yeah even just the marvels coming straight after that that was can, not the same person i feel um, that the listeners can't get the hurt in your eyes as you're saying that. Oh, i was just so disappointed because it's quite a moving I mean, me almost overall, to, tears to be though. honest and i think we, we we can say that because a lot of marvel stuff is either in well i've got that in my biggest disappointments and then a lot of the other marvel stuff we haven't even really mentioned because they were kind of fine but like ant-man and the wasp the marvels like marvel in itself as a franchise has quite badly gone off well i mean that segues rails. me into my Next one, actually, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah. Just, I mean, just, like, it relied so heavily on CGI and then didn't do it. At times, I remember quite liking it because it felt quite Star Wars-y. Yeah. I quite liked some of the stuff that they did in the quantum realm, but I think for a film that they seemed... Just some of it really felt like it undermined itself. Yeah. And I feel like for a film that was marketed as we are introducing the next big bad for this not just phase but for this saga yeah and well i mean, I mean to be honest change now after the way it's played anyway, out but... maybe it's kind of a good thing they didn't do such a hot kang intro yeah because they can recast it or totally scrap yeah. it altogether because it almost doesn't really matter off the back of quantumania yeah and it it and it really suffered from everything was green screen. Like, everything. Everything. When they filmed that film, it must have just been the humans with blue or green screen all yeah. around them. Like, yeah. there was... Yeah. I would agree. I yeah. would agree. And Marvel has faltered quite badly, I would say, mm. this year. Over to me. Yeah. Napoleon. Oh, that's not on mine. Yeah. I just was expecting for a Ridley Scott historical drama slash epic a lot more than what we got. And I had somebody said, described it as one of the best comedies of the year. <laughs> and it wasn't trying to be, but it was the worst scenes where I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, and I think I said a lot of my judgment of it is 
one of those biopics where they try to do all of the person's life rather than just focusing on a smaller part. Um, and I'm still... I don't know if I necessarily agree with that critique. Because a lot of biopics, like, for example, Elvis, started with him as a kid and finished with him as an adult. Same problem with it, though, for me. Oh. I can't think of any that don't. Exactly. And most of them aren't very good. Ah, right. Okay, fair enough. I oh. always think, oh, that back. like Napoleon, do it as a TV show. It would be a like, cracking TV like, show. Like, show fair. what his life was like. Have more time to build their central relationship as well, because that was another yes. thing I massively felt was that underdone. That was Vanessa Kirby, wasn't it? Great actor, but yeah. like, well, both of them are. Wasted. But just, yeah. Fair um, enough. All please right. do better for Gladiator 2, Ridley. Yeah. Um, uh, my next one is 65. Oh my, I can't believe how different our lists are, but this is totally just <laughs> like us, for, me totally forgetting. Did well, we do an episode on 65? I don't think. I don't. It would have been random I have if a we did. S- sneaking suspicion we did. So I'm what was wrong with 65? Now. It just, ah, oh, it just didn't make fucking sense. Yeah, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was a bit pointless, a bit and like, it. it could have had a really compelling ending, but didn't. And I feel like had I been in the writing room, I'd have dropped this, <laughs> this nugget of perfection just to be that like mic drop at the end, uh, and it totally missed it, which did not redeem and could not maybe have redeemed how crap the rest of the film was not that i think films are crap obviously <laughs> but dinosaurs it just, in space the story though, I was watched, just yeah. dinosaurs in space i wanted more like yeah. that premise go for it like yeah and do it better yeah, yeah. just uh especially with adam driver involved like honestly exactly yeah. uh i just i yeah nothing more to say okie doke for me now, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and oh Snakes. God. Another one not on my list. I've gone into this a lot on our episode, so I won't go over it too much, but I just found it. I actually haven't had a cinematic experience this year where in the final act, I could literally not wait for the film to end. Oh. Like, I was... Looking at my, not just looking at my watch every maybe like 15 minutes. It was yeah. like, I was literally counting the minutes down. Oh God, that's um, painful. I just found it so, I thought it started all right. And then it just was a weirdly paced film. Yeah. Too much singing. Yeah, just not for me. Right. Megan. Megan's on mine. Megan's on mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mithrigan. If you have listened to our episodes, you might call me out, call out my bullshit because I do remember speaking quite highly of it because I did enjoy watching it. It was, it kind of felt like it swept social media. It was going to become this massive sensation. Then the film came out and it was, I think one of those examples where the production was in on the joke, like they knew they were making like a lowbrow horror um but it has not had the impact i wanted it to it seems like it came and went they were very quick to kind of suggest that they were going to do kind of four more 
Megan's. Well, there is a sequel in development. Exactly. And I just think maybe it could have been quite happily left as just the one and nobody ever needs to see it again. Never going to happen. No, I know. Actually, I think we're both quite down on this film compared to the general population. Maybe. I personally have one thing that I thought would have fixed this film for the better. Go on. It felt like it was a 15-18 premise trying to be moved into a 12A. Right, okay. So I liked the campiness and I liked yeah. all the daft bits. Yeah. But I just wish it had been a bit scarier. Like yes. even the violence yeah. wasn't... It wasn't really scary. violent. Like, I wanted... It never felt like the stakes were all that no, high. No, like, I want you to really... I want it to be gory and gratuitous for that reason. Like, if you're going to go over the top... Yeah. Like, we just properly. watched Thanksgiving recently. Do that kind of yeah. stuff. Like, I think it was just trying to be something that could have been better to be nice. been a bit more mature. But I don't agree with you that I don't... I do think it's had a massive pop culture impact i just mm. think there's so much stuff this year and all the time now that right, things don't enough. get a lot of time but i can bet your bottom dollar as soon as the trailer for the sequel comes out it'll be right back in the zeitgeist oh that was a good sentence it was wasn't it yeah, yes quite yeah. proud of that one glad we got that on well, it's on my turn now because we both had that one so yeah. we've got one less from me now the little mermaid <laughs> that's not on mine either yeah um Fine. Nothing more. Yeah. Nothing less. Okay. I had problems with the way it looked. I liked Halle Bailey. Yeah. That Scuttle song is one of the worst things oh, on the screen I've seen this year. Oh my god, I know. Yeah. Very clearly Aquafina sung, can't be proud of that no, one. Very clearly written by Lin-Manuel Miranda who I have loved in the past and do love some of his stuff, but I'm just finding him being forced into everything now, a bit like, oh, we're going to have a, a, a single rap now. A phrase I, I have learned and I was just since like, oh. knowing you, I think could quite aptly be placed here. Uh, gets where I fart wouldn't. Yes. Very, yeah. very much so. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought it was... Not a patch on the original. Okay. Yeah. I've got two more. Do you want them both? Or have you got two You've more got, as well? You do one. I've got a last one. Then oh, you okay. do the last one. Plain. Oh, <laughs> I could not have been disappointed by that, Ned, because I had the lowest of expectations <laughs> with There is no way that that could have made my Oh, list. I just didn't see the point. Like, Well, I know exactly. Why bother making it? <laughs> why bother making it? It would have it would have sat perfectly happily in the noughties. Yeah. It has no place being in the cinemas in 2023. And that is probably all that needs saying on it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Playing. Go on, what's your next one? This is quite a late one to the... Biggest disappointments. Is it the same as mine? But it's Chicken Run. Oh, Dawn no, it's the not Nugget. the same as mine. Yeah. Ah. Solely for the reason that... Is that is definitely a anticipating greatness. It is. One, isn't Solely, it? yeah. And we literally just put out our Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget episode today. So I'm not going to go over it again because no. listen to that. Listen and I'm sure that. you've watched the film anyway because it, it was on Netflix over Christmas. So what yeah. else were you doing? Well, well that's all mine. I actually done. discussed that one while I was sat in the barber's chair today. Oh, did you? Hello, Naomi. 
Um, yeah, we both kind of were on the same page as it, of it. Oh, I mean, you were a four star, I was a three. Yeah. It was Naomi. Four. Really? She loved it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah, she had a big smiling face while she was talking about it. Cute. Really sweet. Um, my final disappointment of the year is Leave the World Behind. This is really fascinating that because I, I think we've both come to this in a in a bit of a different way because I didn't have any expectations because well you did maybe because some people had told you how good it was. Well, Gianni, <laughs> don't trust our friends' film. Uh, well, that and also, I think maybe I was. This is this just goes to show actually the value of having actors doing interviews on. TV, because we saw Julia Roberts sitting on Graham Norton's sofa talking about it. Um, and I mean, she wasn't like gushing about it, but I was like, oh, Julia Roberts in a new film. I'll watch that. That looks good. Um, and conceptually... Star, star power. Star power. Conceptually, I like the idea. I just think they could have done so much better with it. Um, and there were just one too many parts that felt way too implausible and it just pulled me right out of whatever they were trying to get at my main drawback of that film is that everything it looked like it was trying to do it kind of retracted from them it approached and then and walked like, away oh, no i'm not gonna yeah. do that oh oh no 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 i'm not gonna yeah. do that but Very that. Very that. i do think we are gonna do an episode on leave the world behind because we have a I have a big birthday coming up in a few days. Very big. Yeah, 30. And we're off to Mexico in January, so we're going to do a bit of a recording day where we put a few time capsule-esque episodes out Yes. whilst we're away, and yeah. one of which we are planning to be Leave the, Leave world, the world Behind. Behind. So you'll get to know more about why Ned hated that film. Yeah, so I won't um, go into it now. Yes. Okay, so that's the negative done. Should we uh, pop into a quick ad break, have we a breather? Are. Yes, yeah. And come back for some special mentions and the top ten. Oh, wow, I just feel like I've, we're on the radio there. Thank you. See you after the break, listeners. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Okie dokie then, let's do it. So, when we get to the top 10, I just want to explain to our listeners what we do. So, I put my top 10 together, Ned puts his together. We give them all 10 to 1 points and then kind of merge them. 
Add them up. Yeah, add them up. See what then comes out as top 10. Yeah. So you might start to be able to decipher or guess what who's is, is going to be in the top 10 as well as we go through what we're going to go through first, which is our honourable mentions, films that didn't quite make it. Now, these are either they were in my top 10, they were in Ned's top 10, or were just ones that we'd like to talk about. That No, they were either in my top 10, your top 10, or didn't quite make either of our top 10. Does that make sense? Yep. Anyway, let's get to them. So I've got How to Have Sex, which you've not seen, which was a great film oh, yeah, that I, I saw at Leeds that. Film Festival. Um, a gr- wonderful British film, just so lived in. One of those films where you're like, oh, like I totally want, I feel like I've just lived that experience with those characters. If you've had a similar experience of going on your first girl's holiday or holiday with whoever, you can very much feel it. Um, Marcel Michel with shoes on, which I genuinely oh. thought was going to be in your top 10. Genuinely. I know. Well, the way I did my top 10, I went through Letterboxd and I wrote all of my faves that I've watched this year that had a release date for this year, obviously. Yeah. Um, and there was like 25 of them. And Same. My Marcel, top 10 list Marcel, had about 30. Well, Marcel must have been 11 or 12 <laughs> out of those, so I'm sorry. Why <laughs> did you love it so much? I mean, oh, I it liked it as well. But... so adorable and cute, and it had so much to say, and really kind of is a reminder that, you know, people matter. And what I... was that like? Oh, okay. It's a bit... Oh, I can't remember. It was a long, cute. long time ago. Very but cute. It was film. Really, really cute. Um, on my list as well, we've also I've also got Blue Jean and Passages, but we've kind of discussed them in yeah. the queer shout out part. But another one that really, really, really did nearly make it to my top ten was Rylan. Oh yeah, that was cute. Great British really film. Like, really, really original like rom com. It. it did. Well, I say original. It did all the rom-com type type tropes, but it did it from a perspective where we haven't seen a lot of those types of characters, a lot of those locations in film. Um, And I just thought it was wonderful. Um, And I couldn't recommend it enough. I think it's on Disney Plus. As I think it was a thingy... Fox, Uh, uh, 20th century film, I think. But I would definitely um, yeah. seek it out. Yes. Have you got any you want to shout um, out? I've got a few more, but... So the ones that didn't make it into my top ten but were so close, um, Godzilla Minus One. Yeah. Really, really loved it. Um, Someone was on about this on a podcast, and there's a scene, and I'm so glad we saw it in the cinema for this, where Godzilla is about to attack, yeah, and the score kicks in, and it's that proper like kaiju Japanese, oh, durr, durr, yeah, durr, and it was really, like this is cool, really, really scary this is really music, cool. yeah. yeah, really love that one. Think everybody who likes a kind of bit of a disaster film definitely will love this one. It's yeah, really beautifully tells the human story in amongst Godzilla attacking Tokyo and the other city whose name I can't remember right now. Yeah. Um, 
Another one, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. Really cute, coming of age, based on a book from the 70s. Just about kind of teenage girls being teenagers. But like... Um, We must, we must, we must something our bust. Increase. Increase that bust, I like that. Yeah, it was cute. Very cute. cute. Um, I do think it was a really well-made film, that. But didn't quite make it onto my top ten, because it was like... It was almost like the subject matter was so, I don't want to say plain, but you get what I mean. Like, it wasn't pushing any boundaries, but it was just oh, really I good. I did try to, there. No, I know. But yeah, that, I, I mean, that's why it wasn't on my top ten. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those where if people seek it out, they're pretty much guaranteed to have a good time. Yeah. So some of these honourable mentions as well are the ones that have dropped out of the over, were in your top ten, but dropped out because of the scores adding up. Oh, well, there's a handful One of which more. is Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Anything you'd like to say about Evil Dead Rise? Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, to start with, an iconic um, title card. Yeah. Very, very cool. Would have that on posters. Yeah. Um, it was just a really nice kind of re-revival of the Evil Dead franchise um i'd never experienced any evil deads before they announced this was coming out and then you and i did a bit of a a watch through um and i think that it was a film worth making um and they made it it really well and i liked everyone's performances in it it was scary enough without being like mad disturbing um some of the kind of gory bits were particularly entertaining if you like gore um, and I overall quite liked the story and the character development That's in the there as well. That's the kind of gore I would have liked Megan to have. Yeah. Um, I also think it did really well for going somewhere other than a cabin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I also have Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Um, another one of these films that is a well-known franchise, but is really trying to try something new with the medium of animation. Um, And it did tease at the end something about Shrek coming. And if Shrek decides to go down this route of trying again something a bit more experimental with animation, I would be more than happy to watch something like that. I wouldn't particularly like a rehash of what has come before. Great. Um. There yeah. are, I've got a couple that weren't on my top 10, so won't have made it into your special mentions list. Right. Um, Anatomy of a Fall was just a really, really good courtroom drama, not entirely set in the courtroom. Um, the palm door at Cannes. Yeah, and I just heard one of the podcasts you were listening to said that some cinemas have been doing like, when you come out after having watched it, oh, vote for if you think... The the it? guy was pushed or if he fell. Yeah. And pretty much across the board the score is about fifty fifty. So it's really fun that it's it's been that. so cleverly put together that you still aren't exactly sure. I think I would have voted for it being a fall, if anyone's interested, rather than a murder. Well, unfortunately we didn't see that one together. No. So even if you'd put that unless you put that as like one, two or three, it's no, very unlikely I mean, it was yeah, gonna exactly. be on our joint. Though. Which is why but, I thought wanted to give it a quick shout but out. I am here looking as forward well. to catching up on it when I can. Interestingly as well, Tetris. I saw that you'd put that really like yeah. it. I think it's a really cool, interesting film for to say 
its subject matter it's essentially kind of you know like when air came out and we were like it's a film about corporate law but it was really good tetris kind of felt a little bit like that but was really fun and dynamic in its storytelling and i think taron edgerton did a really good job as as the lead role um he did and it's kind of the perfect sort of Sunday afternoon film if you're not really doing much um, and you want something that's going to entertain you and make you think. I would definitely put Tetris on. I just think worth the shout out just for that, really, um, if anyone listens to us for recommendations. <laughs> um, and The boy and, boy and the Heron, which we saw this afternoon. I was wondering if it would make it onto my top ten, but it didn't quite hit the mark interesting um but it's like so close it might be number 11 you know what i mean um, it was my first introduction to ghibli which is something that i hate admitting out loud um but it was weird okay. as anything. nobody's perfect and i think i would like to watch it again just to i would love to watch it again yeah. it was um i think a lot of ghibli films either go down the kind of cute fluffy stories or weird weird and wacky yeah this was very much very comfortably in the weird and wacky. Um, if you're a fan of Spirited Away, you'll definitely be a fan of The Boy and the Heron. Um, and a really good dubbed cast as well. Excellent dubbed cast. Christian I'd Bale, be interested to see Dave it Bautista, um, subtitled, Pugh, actually. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, just that. Well, I've just got a couple more before we get to our top ten. Uh, I've got a couple that I want to mention that can't be in the top ten. Go on then, you do yours first. Well, just want to shout out kind of films we've managed to see because of the film festival that aren't oh, released yes. until yeah, next yeah, year. Yeah. Um, I thought if I did Poor Things, you might do the holdovers. Perfect. Poor Things, get <laughs> to see it. Like it is out on the. 12th of Jan. Out on the 12th of Jan. It'll be in cinemas. Um, Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, Mark Ruffalo, um, all directed by Yorgos Lanthimos. Did I say his name right? Yeah. Um, and it's just so fun. Weird, wacky, steampunk kind of period vibes. Um, adventure of a lifetime. Very Beautiful funny. Beautiful to look at. Very funny and absolutely stunning. Like, you just want to it's really kind of tactile um so yeah i, w- I would recommend that one and i'm sure I people want will to be see careful a lot not more to... of that as we go fully yeah. into award season and i think i know what you're gonna say i it's want to not be careful be for everyone <laughs> i want to be careful not to um oversell the concept because it is a funny kind of conceptual type film mm. um but if you let yourself get into it you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Is what I want to say about that. What about you and the holdovers? So the holdovers is directed by Alexander Payne. Annoyingly, it's out on the 19th of January when this is very much a Christmas film. The holdovers refers to students at a boarding school that don't go home for Christmas. They hold over and one teacher has to stay behind and look after them. A lot. There's a lot into it. It's a very... It's a gorgeous stick it on the week between Christmas and New Year with the fire on, which I think my family did. Yeah. And it's heartwarming, but it's also 
quite difficult at times. I think it'll um, still be a good one to watch late January. I do, but I just think they missed the trick not putting it out. And I don't know why, because it, it came out shame. in the US yeah. before Christmas. It so. is a shame, but such is life. I don't want to put people off seeing it. Any, no. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to encourage people to put it off till Christmas, because it really deserves, like, a good start. Yeah. Um, out on the 19th of Jan. So I've just got two last quick films before Go we on. get to our top ten. Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, oh, yeah. Scorsese's three and a half hour epic. I love, say Sc- epic. I love this film. Yeah. Right. Scorsese as, an, as a director never gets to the top for me. Okay. I always enjoy his films, but yeah. I don't know what it is. They're just never... Are they like consistently four, four and a half, but never five? Yeah. Right. I think so. Yeah. And I, and I really enjoyed it, and I love talking about that film after, which I think is a very good indicator that you've enjoyed something, or it's at least yeah. done what I think films should do, is to like make you think, challenge your views, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I do think we're going to see a lot of this throughout awards season as well, but it didn't quite get up there for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Another one, it's a film that I absolutely adored. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I thought it was the best of the trilogy. I thought it was a phenomenal way to go out um, with this set of the Guardians. And some of the action sequences were so cool. That one in the hallway um, was just brilliant. I loved... I just totally loved it as a film. And in a year Mm. where... Super, not just Marvel films, but superhero films seem yeah. to be struggling and going through a bit of a phase at the minute. Yeah, it made nearly nine hundred million at the box office, and I adored it. And it is a Marvel film of the recent few years that, if you put it on telly, I'd happily watch it at any point. Ah, that's did nice. some dark things with Rocket as well, yeah. like some dark stuff. Yeah, and it was quite emotional. Um, so that's our honourable mention. So does that mean? Because the only one that we've talked about that was on my top ten in the honourable mentions is Evil Dead Rise so far. Does that mean all nine of the rest of my top ten are in the top ten? Let's wait and see. <gasps> How exciting. So it is technically a top ten, but we've got quite a few ties with points. Okay. So we're starting at in joint sixth. Oh. The first one of which is Sisu. Oh, great. So this wasn't even in my honourable mentions. It wasn't even on my radar for being in the top. Because it placed quite high on mine. It's kicked a few of yours off. You put it as fifth, I think. Sixth. I think. Right. But anyway, yes. Yeah. That's where it is. Cool. Want to talk a bit about Sisu? Yes. Um, It is a World War, I'm going to guess two, film. Was it? Well, there was aeroplanes. The Nazis were leaving. Well, if it's the Nazis, yeah, then it is World yeah, War II. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, set in Norway. One of them. One of the Scandinavian countries. Apologi- apologies to our Scandinavian friends. I'm pretty sure it's Norway. Um, no, it's Finland. Well, we said one of them. Yeah, it's Finland. <laughs> I'm more sure that it's Finland now. Okay. Okay. Um, so, it follows... A guy who we meet when he's digging for gold 
and he finds a bunch of gold and he's like, got to get this to the bank, uh, find his keepers, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, as the Nazis are leaving, I'm going to say Finland, he encounters many rather disgruntled um, soldiers and stuff and nobody is in a good mood in this film at all. And he goes through hell and high water just to get his gold to the bank. And he only has one line in the entire film, but his performance is brilliant. Just mind-blowing. Like, really, really good. Proper Proper gritty, violent. Um, Yes. And I think the title, Sisu, Sisu, don't know how you say it in Finnish, is like this concept that doesn't really have an English translation. And it's like a raw determination where... Um, you do the thing because it needs doing and you're the one that needs to do it, not necessarily because you want to do it or it's a good thing to do. It just needs doing, so you have to get it done. That's the kind of... I like that. The genre of determination. Exactly Um, that. That is exactly, (laughs) exactly what this film is. It's really, really good. Um, And if you can get a chance to see it, I would recommend. So the next film in joint sixth place is Women Talking. Great. Yeah. So it, this is directed by Sarah Polly. Um, it, it's based off a novel and it kind of follows this group, isolated community yeah. where women are not tracked very well. Yeah. It's very much um, patriarchy in the simplest sense. Yeah. Like men do the things, make the decisions. And women are there because women exist and have specific roles. And it's such, I mean, for a film that has women talking in the title. Yeah. It is an incredibly talky film yeah. um, where each character kind of says, should we stay? Should we go? And they all kind of debate it and talk about the realities of all the different things they could do. Um, it's got a phenomenal phenomenal ensemble cast of Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, oh God, just Jesse amazing. Buckley, Judith Ivy, Ben Wishaw and Frances McDormand to say to name a few. Yeah. And it was just I just couldn't take my eyes off it. It was totally just It was really captivating. Yeah. Um really cleverly done in that you can't really place it in time or space. No. Until possibly the last Half an hour, 20 minutes. I think because it, they're so cut off from society, yeah. it could be, it, it could be it, today. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the kind of the point. Um, really, really nice. And it's an excellent exercise in kind of seeing how somebody who has a voice who's not used to using that voice decides to use it. Yes, I would agree. Um, is what I liked about that. So, um, yeah, if you want to get thinking, go and watch Women Talking. <laughs> yes. Um, we have three films in Joint Fifth. Oh, okay. And we shall start with one for you. Yeah. Which you placed very highly, which put it on our joint top ten. It's Pearl. Pearl! Yeah. The sequel to X. Yeah. Um, slasher horror set in... What, early 20th century Midwest? Mm. Yeah. Small town, um, farm girl, wants to get a big break on the stage and get out to the big city, etc., etc. Um, 
and is driven to uh, quite violent um, acts for being denied such an opportunity. It um, has a very specific tone, that yes. film. I've been trying to remember, and I don't know why I haven't bothered to just Google it. What's her name, the actor? Mia Goth. Mia Goth, yes. Just brilliant. A really, really cool way to, to sequel what was already, I think, I think X was in my, if not our, top ten last year. This is what I was about to say. I much preferred X as a film. Like, Fair much enough. preferred X. I think Pearl is a really fun way to make a, I suppose it's a prequel, um, to use kind of the cast casting of Mia Goth in X to then be the old woman from X in Pearl as a young woman. Um, and it was just really, really fun. I love how camp it was. It was very kind of... It reminded us of all, uh, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz Gone yeah. Wrong. Um, super, super fun. Super loved it. Um, and could stand alone as a film. Doesn't necessarily need X to give it the context that you get from it. So, yeah. Enjoy. Also stars our new Superman, David Corrinsweth. Oh, does it? Mm. Lovely. He's the one who gets... Yes. Yes. Just didn't want to quite spoil it for everybody in case they haven't seen it. Okay, now, another one in joint fifth place that we both really loved. Wonka. Ah. Lovely. For me, this is totally in the same ilk as the Paddington films. It's a sweet, yeah, lovely film yeah. that I would watch at any time. Musical, by the way. Love the songs. I think the only people I've talked to that didn't like it don't like musicals. Well, exactly. So, so, um, so yeah, I mean, we've recently done an episode on it, so we won't talk about it too much, but I just totally loved everything about it. I yeah. Just, I think I remember saying... In about the first ten minutes, I thought, "I'm in safe hands here. Yeah. This is this is going to be good." I think if you are or have been a fan of the Roald Dahl books as a child or for your own children, um, you'll really, really get on with with this film. But even me. But yeah, as we know about Declan, never really been a Roald Dahl person. A Dahlite. A Dahl Dahlite. Interesting. A Dahlai. Um. <laughs> Still has that appeal, so you know it's got it's got some up going for it, and I think Timothy Chalamet as Wonka was marvelous. I agree. Great. The last one in joint fifth place, which I think this one was down to me, is Tar. Yeah, it's not on mine. Um, totally and utterly, and I know we've touched on it earlier on in this episode. Totally loved this film. It was a sit-forward drama that you couldn't take your eyes off. I thought Kate Blanchett, as you said earlier, totally and utterly disappeared into the role. And I just love complex, nuanced characters that aren't one note, that make mistakes, which have got all sorts of complex psychological feelings going on about the mistakes that they've made, coming up against who their personality are. I literally just... Mm. thought it was phenomenal and I did say after we'd watched it that I did think it would stay on my top 10 of the year and it has I totally smashing 
Totally loved it. Okay. Joint fourth place now. We've got two in joint fourth, and right. then we've got a top three. This one is solely down to you, and I can't believe how high you got it when it was solely down to I think you. I know which one it is. The creator. Yes. So, I think had we not rewatched it over Christmas, it might have been lower down and therefore fallen off the top ten. But I was reminded of this when I was looking through this year's Letterboxd um, in preparation for this. And then more than pleased when your family wanted to watch it over Christmas to rewatch it because it is just fantastic. I think it's a really um, relevant story, both kind of popular culture wise and political wise politics wise um it's about ai basically the premise is ai has got so advanced and for whatever reason has detonated a nuclear warhead in los angeles um so this story basically is the united states versus ai um it tells it through lenses that indicate differences in culture around the world. It's very much kind of near future dystopia, um, but it's quite obviously not based on kind of the world as we know it today because it's kind of um, the United States and where they're all kind of operating on their military missions is called New Asia, which kind of indicates a United States... Well, I think it's east set up. versus west. It's an east versus west, west thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the filming looked to have been done in the kind of Mekong Delta yeah. um, in rice Vietnam. Lots of rice paddies everywhere. Lots of gorgeous kind of natural rock formations and forests. Um, and Gemma Chan is in it but not a main character but is quite a central to the storyline character um and one thing actually that really sealed its place quite high in my top 10 um the kind of what's that word mcguffin is that a word mcguffin mcguffin (laughs) is the child who is the ai that is like the weapon that the us are scared of basically um they're performance as a child actor in this film which is really quite um emotionally wrenching as a story is just fantastic i agree not you're not ever irritated by the way they're portraying the the character which is rare for children even good ones um so yeah i just loved it it's exactly up my street a dystopian sci-fi um and yeah i can't can't sing its praises enough, really. Cool. <laughs> the and, last one? Yeah. Well, I think you pretty much did it. It wouldn't have got that high for me. Oh, this is one thing I will say about this film. Not enough people saw it. And I am sick of hearing people say, all that's in cinemas is sequels or franchises. This no, is original is content. There is so much original stuff. I mean... We have just talked so far already. Sisu, Women Talking, Pearl, Tar, and The Creator. All great films that anybody could have gone and watched. Yeah. So if you have one film New Year's resolution, listeners, which we're probably talking to the wrong crowd because you are listening to a film podcast. Yeah. But 
encourage your, pe- your friends, your family, yeah. go see some of these different films. Yeah, just get yourself sat in that cinema seat. Yes. Anyway, last one in Joint Fourth, John Wick Chapter Four. Yeah. Which I think was higher on your list than mine, which shocked me slightly. Well, if you'd have told me after having watched John Wick exactly. 1 <laughs> that John Wick 4 would be in my top 10 of the year, I would have spit in your face. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but credit where credit is due, I think John Wick 4 was really cool. When we were on about early in this episode, what was it a good year for? It was a good year for action. It was a good year for action. John Wick 4, the stairs sequence, the... The bit where the camera was above, above. and it was going through the yeah. building and they were throwing each other through walls yeah. and shooting each other with all sorts. Oh. The sequence around the Arc de Triomphe where yeah. all of it yeah. was just so, so good. And I would be quite happy if the main John Wick franchise ended there. I know Same. we're getting a spin-off ballerina with Anna de Armas, which I'm okay. more than happy for them to do spin-offs, but I would like it if John Wick ended there. Okay. Um, so, top three. Here we go. Yeah. I'm sure some people who are avid cinephiles will have thought there's some films I haven't really mentioned a lot of. <laughs> um, so, in third place is Oppenheimer. Yep. A very um, worthy third place, I think, yeah. for the year. A three-hour, another talkie, yeah. part black and white. Yeah. I would say it's depressing as hell. It's not a cheery watch. Oh, it definitely makes you kind of step back and take a look at the state of the world. But it's an important film, and I would yeah. say it's Chris Nolan probably at his best. Like, he, okay. in both the craft of the film, but I think his serious tone lends quite who he is as a person yeah. comes across quite serious the subject matter of Oppenheimer and the atom bomb yeah is goes hand in hand with the kind of filmmaking that and storytelling yeah. that I believe that he he wants to do I so. think what I like about it is kind of placed in the world that we live in now there is um quite reasonable and very clear criticism of kind of the choice of subject matter in a film um and how representation of particular um uh marginalized groups might necessarily not have been um portrayed in this film um and various other reasons that people might choose not to see it the people who i know who have seen it whether they are kind of part of that discourse or not the ones who criticise it, their only real criticism is how long it is. Everyone else seems to really like it. So I, I mean, think it's a bit of me, a lazy criticism to say. Oh, it's I three think hours it is as well. Like, that. Well, it's three hours of a fucking great film. It's so a really good film. Just and watch. If like, you're not watching it at the cinema, it. you can just pause it and go for a wee or make a cup of tea yeah. or watch it in two sittings. I don't mind. Um, but you're missing out if your only reason to not like it is that it's three hours. Um, so yes, having said that, I do sometimes get a bit frustrated about the fact that if I know I'm going to see a three hour film at the cinema, I have to dehydrate myself that day. I think that's more in your head than in your bladder though. Well, I wish studios would listen to my concern and start either putting intervals in or making films a bit shorter. 
Yes. Okay. Number two. Number two. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. I love <laughs> this film so, so much. Like, yes. we watched it again over Christmas. and it's I have just... watched it three times this year. I think that was my fault. Oh, I was about to be embarrassed, but four is embarrassing. And I've listened to people on podcasts say they've watched it eight, nine, ten times this year. Oh, my God. I think it's because it's just, even though it uses a brand that we all know and love so well, it's just so wildly original. Oh, fantastic. I think maybe that's part of what makes it so brilliant, is that it's got that familiarity to it, because it's obviously Barbie and Mattel. But it is original film content. It's not a sequel. It's not um, a franchise. It is a movie on in and of itself. Yeah. Never known a film set patriarchy so much. No, I know. Um, and do it so well in such like a light-hearted, funny way. And do you know what's quite funny? Like it could potentially not even pass the Bechdel test, but it does though because it's female char- named female characters having conversations with each other, not about men. But do they ever have a conversation? Yes. They- yeah, pretty much all the time. No, they don't. They always talk about Ken's. No, they don't. They do. President Barbie, can I ask no, you what like, your favourite colour is? No, I know, but can. I just mean, like, even if it didn't, it would be quite a funny thing if it didn't, because I think that's the whole point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, again, another film that's going to be everywhere during awards season. Whether yeah. it will win a lot, I don't know, but just so you know, it get the recognition it wants. And the lessons that I want Hollywood to learn is, no, we don't want Barbie 2. I don't think. No, I don't think we want Barbie 2. I don't think we want a Ken film. No. I just think we want to have it, and I just want you to look at it and go, oh, turns out if you put really good... Top quality original content. Greta Gerwig and Noah Bond back together and believe in the talent and give them some creative autonomy, then we might actually get some really good films. Yes. And I also will shout out that Margot Robbie is a producer on this and she said that she thinks it could make a billion easy when she pitched it to Warner Brothers. And it has done, and I'm just so glad. And easily. Yeah, Yeah. and I'm so glad to see someone like her. I am liking this trend, and I think we've touched on it before, like female creatives going into the producing world as well and just kind of using their names to get other yeah. films made yeah. because they Elizabeth Banks. Well yeah, we touched Great on that example. before. There's quite a few. Yeah. Francis McDormand was a producer on Women Talking. Like yeah. a lot of them are all like, you know Love that. So I love that. Um are we ready then? We actually both yes. for how different the list was kind of Our three top, downwards. Top two. We're both in sync. Yeah. Go on then, reveal the top. Number one is Past Lives. Past Lives. Past Lives, so good. So amongst like all the glitz and glamour of Barbenheimer and all these other films that came out, there's this small directional debut by Celine Song. Yeah. That is a film for me the reason why it is so high and at number one for me 
is whilst everything else has been so good, it's a film that I have thought about so much since watching it. I still think about it. Like, just really taps into how humanity works and connections work. And I want to watch it again and again and again. It was a... It's a truly, truly just simple but beautiful, beautiful film. Yeah. Um, to see Greta Lee get yeah. the recognition she deserves yeah. Yeah. from some of the awards shows that are coming, uh, noms that are coming out so far. Yeah. I just think she is... I can't. It's like one of those performances where you're like, am I even watching anybody acting here? Because it looks like she's talking. Yeah. I'm watching her life. These are, these are real people doing real things. And this story has been woven together so delicately. Um, And what's really lovely about it is that because it's so kind of real and personable, you can laugh along and if you want to have a cry, you can have a cry. And if you want to have a laugh, you can have a laugh. If you want to get mad at the state of the world, you can get mad at the state of the world. Um, and if you want to notice all of the kind of beauty around you, then you can see all of that in this as well. I and just it's loved almost it. almost like depending on what mood you're going into each time you watch it. Is you what you'll take, take into it. So yeah. different out of it as well. Yeah. Like it was so so gorgeous. Um, Collider, the digital publisher, uh-huh. said they've ranked it as number seven on their list of the twenty best drama movies of the twenty twenties so far. And nice. they're calling it a story that could only exist because of modern circumstances, but feels timeless in its approach. How does someone choose between two lovers, one that represents the most fruitful days of their her youth? and the other someone she has grown to love as part of her reality. Celine Song examines these critical conversations through the perspective of an immigrant story as well. Again, it has that complex, but I I don't necessarily always like to shout out other reviewers and stuff or other opinions, but that's worded way better (laughs) than I could ever try and fudge something to get out. But truly... So deserved. And I hope... I actually think Past Lives might be a bit of a dark horse at awards season this year. And Oh, deservedly so, though. Everyone's like, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, this, this, that. I think uh, this. And another film that's coming out in the UK soon as well, which I'm hearing amazing things about, could, called The Zone of Interest, might do very well. Amazing. So that is 2023 done. Um, The next episode is going to (laughs) be hopefully not as long as this one. Um, I don't think it will be, but it's going to be all about a bit of a 2024 preview. Yeah. Um, But I kind of just want to say we've had quite a lot of new listeners this year. Our podcast, our, our small independent homemade podcast is growing quite nicely and we're quite happy with it so for listeners that have been with us from the beginning thank you thank for you new ones coming along we love you we love you um and you know please do let us know who you are chat with us on instagram all that kind of stuff and yeah i or guess 
one lovely New Year gift to us from you, if I may be so bold as to ask, listeners. Um, I know we say it at the end of every episode, but if you could possibly do your star ratings and leave a couple of sentences, reviews on any and all platforms that you listen to us on, it'll really help the algorithms tell other people who might like to listen to us go on about films. Because we've done quite well on um, Spotify, but on Spotify, all you can do at the minute is just give it a stars, star rating. Yeah. So if specifically, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, yeah. leave a review and a couple of lines about what you like about the podcast. Likewise for the Android version as well. Does Google do that? Google, yeah. I'm not sure. It's like... <laughs> Those ones. If like you can leave... a brand new thing. To... Google, that's the one, yeah. If you can... <laughs> If you can leave words, please leave words. If you can't, stars are more than appreciated. Um, and do you know what? It's been all year I've had to run off in the last kind of sentence just to get the gaydar. Today, I remember to bring the gaydar with me. We're not we even doing the gaydar. No. Oh, well. Are we done? And that's all for this time. If you have enjoyed this episode of Gaze on Film, please subscribe, rate and comment on your podcasting platform of choice, as we've just said, but I'm keeping to the script. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Gaze on Film Pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please do feel free to drop us a message. What's your favourite film of this year? What's your top ten? I haven't. I think I just copied and pasted from the 2022 episode and we didn't use Letterboxd. Right. So also... Our letterboxed accounts that are linked linked in the show notes if you'd like to follow us on there, if yes. you use it. But yeah, I have been Declan. And I have been Ned. And this has been Gaze on Film. Thanks for listening. See, See you, you in, in 2024. 2024. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.